Passing Dimes is proud to welcome a new partner to the show, Momentum Pro Camps. Momentum Pro Camps runs volleyball camps across Ontario, bringing professional athletes, coaches, and resources to communities, clubs, and partners. Momentum's mission is to inspire and develop high performers for life, and they're doing just that. Unfortunately, because of the COVID-19 pandemic, Momentum has suspended all programming until permitted by local public health recommendations. However, they have developed incredible future programming for athletes to benefit from and are excited to share it with all of you when we can play again. Follow us on social media at Momentum Pro Camps for updates and details on future programs or email us at contact at MomentumProCamps.com. Stay excellent, friends. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Shark Cuts, Episode 7. Garrett, we've made it to 7, and our guests, they keep getting better and better. We don't have to recycle the same guests. We can shoot for the moon, and we can get a couple of Olympians here. This is already going well, and we're like 10 seconds into the episode. So my name's Josh Nickel. I'm going to pass it over to my guy from Yes Guy Gaming, Garrett May. It was your idea to start the show, and I'm loving it. I, I enjoy doing it every week. Hopefully, the listeners continue to, to gain, and we can pad some more numbers. But if you're listening now, thank you, and let's get this one started, Garrett. Well, thanks, Josh, and welcome everybody to Sharp Cuts. Uh, Josh and I joining forces, trying to have some fun. I love how you said guests keep getting better and better every week. So just a quick shot right at Dan and Oscar, our first guest. You guys stink. We got way better this episode. And we're doubling up on the Olympians this time around, which is a new thing. And so I'm expecting this to be an Olympic-level episode, so no pressure. Um, a quick intro to our guests because I want to hop in right away with these guys. Family members. There's a bit of a family theme here on this show so far. I think this father-son duo is actually a lot better than the father-son duos we've had on the show so far at business, volleyball, just general good looks, and being great people. Double Olympians, it's Don and Ben Saxton. Welcome to the show, my boys. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Uh, yeah. I'm actually disappointed that you didn't have your dad on this one. <laughs> yeah, well, he tried desperately, and we had to tell him, hey, nope. sorry, Dad, like, we got a couple of big shooters, beat it for this time. I figured he might be a little embarrassed, because the last time we played was World Masters Games, and he was a little embarrassed there, so. Okay, so we're getting right into it, Don. He literally, <laughs> well, I phoned him literally yesterday, and I said, hey, I'm having Don and Ben Saxon on, what should we talk about? And he said... Well, you could talk about how Don kicked my ass the last time we played at the World Masters. The exact same thing he said. Uh, he was a bit embarrassed, well, we but not, he did bring it up. I have to admit that's probably the first time they'd ever beat him on the beach because he, he was a much better beach player than I was growing up. So. Well, Don, this is sharp cuts, so don't be afraid to throw a few chirps every now and then because it's a little nice for the show. I've heard the Saxons are nice guys. Don't be afraid to get in there because... And you're being nice. You, he, he, he told me you kicked his ass a lot. Well, nice indoors. <laughs> Us being nice guys too is kind of, uh, it's, it's more, what dad always taught me is whenever people are talking to you, you always smile and nod and then just sort of do whatever you, you're going to do anyway. So you always seem like a nice guy whenever anyone's talking to you, but when it comes down to it, you just ignore what people say anyway. Not ignore, you <laughs> have your own way of thinking. Okay, well, I hope we're taking notes, Josh, because if we ever pay okay. attention to them and see them just smiling and nodding, we'll know that that's exactly what's going on. <laughs> so, Josh, I know you've got, we've got lists, we've got tons of stuff we want to cover with you guys, big shooters in Canadian volleyball. Where do we want to start, Josh? 
Well, I hate to exclude the listeners this early, but I feel like John has to be on the episode for us to really d- dive into this this grudge match they had. So we're going to leave that as just like a teaser right now, and we'll circle back to that when we can get John on the show. But for now, <laughs> our, our past episodes, we've discussed the business of volleyball, Garrett, and I think there's stuff we keep missing. There's difference of opinions, and I thought these two would be great to have on the show because not only what uh, best friend of the Passing Nice podcast, Ben, has developed with the NBVL, but... Don has owned a facility. He's run events like he was a high level player, like he's done it all. So I think for anyone to educate us and maybe some of the listeners on the business of volleyball, it's got to be these two guys. So maybe we'll start with Don, because uh, in doing some research for the show, I I heard a rumor that you actually started 14 new boys, Western Nationals, and you didn't really have permission of Volleyball Canada to do this. You just thought it was such a great idea that you're like, I'm going to start events. I got a venue. I'm going to do this. So take it from there. We'll put you on the spot as a, as a new guest on the show. You got to start that story and then we'll dive into the business of volleyball from there. That's one of the, I would say the sore points in my, my career is, is we, we basically started catering to volleyball players, any volleyball players. So that's, that's what our business model is based upon volleyball players that are good volleyball players that are bad adults that just want to play and they don't know what they're doing. Um, and so we, we basically, we've got what we call a dome club around here. That's anywhere from 11 to 14 year olds. And most of them are beginners. They don't know what they're doing at all. But we, we it's, this is another thing that John said in one of your podcasts that there is no business model. I believe there is a business model. We've had a business model that's, it's taken a long time to develop, but it, but it is working. Well, and that, that, that's a great point, Don. Sorry to jump in. Because um, he, you're right. Whatever he was saying, we got to completely disregard and ignore and maybe listen to what you guys, because you've been actually doing it. But uh, how do you kind of attract people and get people excited about and engaged in what you guys are trying to do, the stuff you're starting? Because it just seems like, and I mean, Josh and I, we're, I'm going to be taking notes absolutely, because we need this advice for passing dime sharp cuts. But you guys seem to have an uncanny knack for getting people to jump in, to buy in, and keep things for the long term. I'm just curious, because you mentioned business model. How are you getting that going? Because it's not an easy thing in Canada and volleyball, just in general. So, again, I've been watching your show, and you guys seem to put a high value on on uh, selling the product and sort of making it, a, make, making it look good. I'm, I'm exactly the opposite. I've always, I've always focused on making the product good, and then it's word of mouth. Basically, we, we don't advertise hardly at all around here. We probably should. If we had somebody like you around, we, obviously, we'd be thinking about it more. But, but for, for many, many years now, basically, okay, let's, what do the people want? How do we make it better? How do we make all the parents want their kids to be in this program? And you have a good product. You have a, you have a consistent thing that you're doing every year and more and more people want to do it more and more kids want to come and play so it, it's it's not that hard so it's, it's about quality so sharp cuts might be in trouble yeah we're screwed <laughs> if you're talking about making the product good i mean we, we need it we need the sharp we need the shortcut on sharp cuts to get it to get it going but uh so like what for volleyball what does that mean i'm kind of curious because for us it's pretty clear we got to have stimulating conversation make sure it's fun and that ben you're right it's been a challenge, and the quality of guests, I think, really plays into that, Josh. We maybe need to reconsider who we're having on the show. I think we're Nothing starting to do with well the host. here. It's always on the guest. I'm yeah. not going to have any problem selling you guys at all on the fact that volleyball is a great sport, right? Volleyball is a great sport. It's, it's non-contact. There's lots of parents that are very happy to have their kids in non-contact sports. It's, 
healthy, it's, it's social, it's, there's a whole bunch, especially girls at age 10, 11, 12, it's probably their first choice. And, be and beach volleyball is almost COVID friendly. <laughs> but anyway, it's just a matter of making it a good enough program. And there's any number of parents that want their kids to at least try it, at least start it. And then if it's a good program, they keep going. See, Josh, I'm already learning the differences. You talk about volleyball families. We got the May family and we got the Saxon family here. East Coast, West Coast, well, prairie vibe over there with you guys. Just you guys talking about making it good and people will come. Where the May yep. styles a little bit differently. Shout as loud as you can from the mountaintops how great you are, and then hope that people will come. And you know, I'm already seeing a difference of, uh, of approach here. Both work. Yeah, well, put it together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We got, we got to get John, John, and us together. Let's. Uh, or you, you and John, you guys, John, us. Like we could build something. Well, I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about the business about of volleyball. The last time all of us were together in the same place, it was pretty explosive. And I'm talking about the Edmonton FIVB event. I mean, it's basically the last time many of us were together, just period, because of COVID. But that uh, event we had in Edmonton, it was crazy. And uh, the business side was, man, we won't need to get into that. But uh, it was a blast we had there, eh? Yeah, very but, fun. But you were the one that made it crazy as far as I'm concerned. It, it, it was what you're doing with this podcast, what you're doing with that kind of stuff, that, that is the best thing that ever happened to volleyball in my mind. So, Well, that's an easy way to get yourself invited back on the show, Don. I mean, that's <laughs> for sure. And I promise you, viewers and listeners, we did not tell these guys to say this. I mean, wait, John, can we confirm? John, you didn't tell them to say this because it sounds like it's exactly what we wanted to happen. Can confirm. That was a genuine, organic comment there. So he's welcome back anytime, I feel. <laughs> Damn. Well, cool. Like, and that's the thing, right? It was with club kids. I feel like there's a lot of volume of people kind of jumping in, buying into the sport. A lot of times, and, you know, Josh and I, we've talked on the show and in the past, we talk about the business of volleyball being around kind of the top level, the, the kind of the best athletes. But really, that's the minority of people who play the game, right? You're talking about fans, rec players, youth players really make up the bulk. And I think that's something we haven't done that well. Just curious from your guys' perspective where that fits in and how you've kind of approached kind of working with that group uh, in your business and what you've been doing. So, so going back to the 14U, if that, this is an example, the 14U event that we ran, basically we had a whole bunch of good 14U players by the time they'd gone through 12 and 13 and whatever. Then they were, they were, you know, very competitive players, a lot of them with older brothers and sisters or, you know, looking up to better players in the, in the club. And we just decided, well, why don't they have some sort of nationals? Why don't they have some sort of big competition at the end of the season? So we invited some of the teams from the other provinces and, and talked to some of the provincial associations like, like BC and Saskatchewan, the close provinces, and said, okay, you know, how about, how about if we have a tournament and how about if some of your best teams come? We got various levels of support, various levels of of you know, teams that were, or, or more like associations that were not really supporting it, but okay, we can give you some, we can give you some names and numbers. So we, it was basically an invitational thing. And I think we had 18 teams or 14 teams or something like that the first year. And we called it the Western Canadian. I don't know if we called it the Nationals or what. Was it nice? I, I was 14 at the time, so they, they made it around me. Okay, no, I'm seeing the insult. Okay, no, you you, you, ruined, you you showed your hand. That's why you were doing it, wasn't it? Come on. 
Anyway, we had some good 14U boys team, and I think they were first and second that year, right? First and third. First and third. Wow. But, uh, <laughs> but that was the idea, was let's have some sort of competition at the end. And, and Volleyball Canada heard that we were calling it the Western Canadian Championships, and they sent me a cease and desist letter, and they, the Volleyball Alberta basically said that they, they couldn't support it because of some of this stuff, and they told the refs that they shouldn't support it, so all the refs, none of the refs would ref. So we basically just hired a bunch of people to come and, pe pe volleyball people that would come and ref for us, and we ran it anyway. And it was a, it was a good event. So lo and behold, next year, Volleyball Canada sends me a letter, and we would like you to host the Western, Western Canadian Volleyball Championships for U14. So we ran it the next year, and then the year after that, they took it over. They said, okay, now we're going to run it here, we're going to run it there. And as far as I'm concerned, fine. That's, you know, that was the whole idea, was develop something else for 14-year-olds to, to play. And, and it had nothing far, to do with the fact that you had your son playing on one of the most dominant 14U teams of that, of that age, right? Like totally, <laughs> just total coincidence. Yeah, well, we needed competition, so they brought the competition to us. Well, it sounds like you didn't get it, though. You came first and second, so I was like, hey. It's the third. I'm pretty, I'm pretty sure your dad did something for his sons pretty similar, like got, gave his sons the best uh, <laughs> the best opportunities to play also. So. Well, <laughs> sort of. He didn't run any tournaments for me, I think. I don't know. I don't want to say that and then it come back that it's totally not true. But uh, I, don't, I don't think so, but... Then again, that's a little bit of a selfless act. Like, hey, let's run a tournament for all these people. He was more like, hey, we need to make my son the best. So whatever tournament it is, we're going to go there and dominate. So, yeah, again, difference of approach there for sure. <laughs> anyway, 13U is just next, and we're, we're thinking about doing that before long. So Volleyball Canada, be aware. Um, I do have some grandchildren coming along, so they need to have a, have a, you know, a place. So. Yeah. yeah, I think Lily's three, so we'll probably have a three and under nationals coming up pretty soon. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's funny because Max, my half-brother, is also three. So he's not, like, okay. they're the same age, and now my dad's got another kid who may be coming through trying to, so, hey, it could be happening. <laughs> well, I do want to build on your earlier point there, Garrett, about you mentioned how inclusive they were with the rec level and just the participation level, because that's something that frustrates me here in Ontario is you can go to Ashbridge's Bay on a Thursday night and there's a thousand people there, but they don't, they don't know that my guy Garrett May won world championships, so they don't really care. But one thing that Ben, you started was the NBVL. And I believe one of the early goals or the intent of that was, well, if people aren't going to follow individual players, which you have to do in our sport at the highest level, maybe they'll follow teams. Right. And that was your concept of making a league base, but the team wasn't, you know, Grant O'Gorman and his partner at the time, it was under an umbrella of a, someone's going to own this team. They can name it. They can do that stuff. Right. So how about you take us through that process? How, you know, your dad's a solution guy. He finds a problem and he finds a solution for it. You did the same thing with the NBVL. So how about you take us through how that process started so sorry yeah, just before you go ben just for the for myself who's a little bit less intelligent and some of the viewers who might not know the nbvl national beach volleyball league that you started yep okay perfect i'm caught up sorry to interrupt no cease or desist coming you can call it national i think i think that's <laughs> i mean i hope so nobody nobody please cease and desist us we can't handle it <laughs> Well, the naming of it may, may have been a little uh, ambitious, but uh, I mean, I'm still trying to grow it, so it could could turn into something. I mean, it's it's uh, in two provinces now and in two cities in Vancouver and Calgary. Um, but yeah, basically the thought process behind starting it, I mean, 
as a kid, you grow up, you see like the NBA, NBA, NHL, and NFL, like all of these pro leagues that that go on. And and then for volleyball, there's nothing, but that's the sport that I that I happen to play and happen to be raised on. So it's uh, like it's kind of I as a kid, I grew up. I wished that I could play in all these things. I started basketball, and it was my favorite sport at the start because it's like, well, I can see myself on TV and doing all this crazy stuff in basketball if uh, if uh, I do well enough in basketball. But if I play volleyball, then where do I get to go? Um, yeah, so it's, I mean, it's part of that, like, dream as a kid. Try, I wanted to see a volley, volleyball league, and it still hadn't happened after after I went to the Olympics. And it's like, well, I, I have a bit of a name now that I can, I can use to to promote something and I had an idea to build something that's not really in place for sort of between high school beach volleyball and national team beach volleyball. There's not really anything in place other than some, some small provincial tournaments for adults. But uh, yeah, so I just wanted something, something that those players could play. And then also a way to highlight men's and women's game together, um, which is, yeah, sort of the unique, concept that is that is nbvl so i'm I'm curious ben because like the challenge is getting people to like give a shit about what you're doing so i'm curious because um josh i know you were working with something similar and you guys kind of worked together there was a bit of action going on in toronto vancouver calgary like are you seeing a ton of people coming and and invested i know we've been cut short by covid and can't really do this sort of stuff really anymore or it's postponed or whatever but in the times you were able to have games you have weekly stuff did you find that people were coming and invested and and giving a shit and there was some character or was it still a struggle yeah well i was uh sorry ben you go ahead yeah i mean uh yeah there's people people that are interested like it was surprisingly not that hard to find um owners like team owners who want to be part of the part of the league and and to be able to draft their own team, to be able to to pick the players from the local talent, um, like go to, we had a little combine where people could go do their physical testing and do a little bit of play against each other where the, the owners can come watch the players and sort of see where who they want to draft. Uh, they're also drafting men's players with women's players at the same time. So they have equal stock on their team, which which I thought was a pretty fun concept. So I went, went with it and the, the owners seemed to have a good time. Dad's an owner a part owner in, in the league. So he's, he's had that experience doing all that. So like he said, I, he grew up wanting to do this and to play for the NBA. I guess I did a little bit of that too, but once you get to this stage, it's, it's a thrill to be an owner, to, to be able to do the draft, to do go through all those things that you sort of, you hear about, you see. So, yeah. But so yeah, what then, is it like the winner of the league gets a chance to play Ben and Don Saxon in the final or like, <laughs> Or do you, did Ben, are you drafted or are you just like, nah, I'm business guy? Or are you like, do you play? Um, I actually signed up for the league this year, but obviously the season got canceled, but I haven't, haven't played, uh, or not canceled. It's, it's suspended and potentially we'll play in the summer if things open up enough. But, uh, for now there's, we're still too uncertain about things reopening. So it can't really give a start date. But. So you registered and it could be potential that your dad doesn't get a chance to pick you on his squad. So we had the draft, and they actually did end up drafting me. They traded all their all their they picks. traded all of our picks. They traded all their <laughs> to get the number one pick, and they picked me on their team. So. <laughs> well, okay. I mean, a bit of nepotism there, but hey, I mean, all your That's picks were one. So was it just Ben versus the rest, or? 
And actually, Kimmy is also on the team because she's a team owner. Uh. So, so we have a strong, um, we have, I mean, I think we have a strong team. Strong one, two team. Well, is it just, just you, though? Like, do you have to go one versus two? No, this is you guys. You you Toronto guys, you think all the good players are out, out in Toronto, but there's some decent players out here. Oh, no, I don't mean to insult. Well, I mean, I don't mean to insult the players out there, but if I happen to do it by accident, that's okay. But, no, I, I meant that if you p- traded all your picks, that mean you only picked Ben or you had no, other no. players? We traded our second pick for somebody else's sixth pick. We traded our third pick for somebody oh. else's fifth pick. Like that. So, yeah. They traded up massively to get you, Ben. Yes. Yes. So I was I was flattered. Um, <laughs> well, would you have been pissed if they didn't? It's like, Dad, I'm available, and you didn't trade up to get me. What the heck? <laughs> no, I mean we're trying to build a brand here, and he's part of the brand. So. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's yeah, funny. It's I was joking with my dad about hopping into the one volleyball league that's kind of trying to start up here. Um, in Toronto, the indoor style. And I said, Dad, I'm only I'm not going to play if like I don't end up on your team. Like I'm not I'm not in the business of doing that. And he goes, Oh, I don't know, Gary. Like I don't know first pick. Like you're gonna. Have to... I was like, Well, how do you know I'm going first? Like, but it never ended up happening. So, um, cool. Yeah, but that that's again that's part of the the business part of it, the fun part of it. That um, like getting those. There's owners that are want to get involved because they want to be part of this business like my dad is a good example like he wants to build his own brand now as part of the league so that like that that is the opportunity for um sponsors to come in is you can come in and you can build your brand based on like however you want to like build your team based on your brand or build your brand based on your team um and so it's it's a way to sort of promote your own company as well as promote volleyball um and then plus the players get a little added attention and there's a whole sort of story building portion of a league of league play that you can get rather than um like that's that's sort of what i like about leagues so much is that you have an extended period of time that all these teams are playing yeah um, it culminates in in one final moment basically so you can build a story all the way up to that final point whereas on on tour uh where you play a, a series of tournaments it's like okay there's this tournament and this team won this tournament, and now in the next tournament, it's like, okay, I want to follow this team, and then they lose the first game, and now it's that team's done, so who do I follow? So it, it's a lot harder to do that whole story-building um, process in, in the tour-based model than, than in the league-based model, which is why I really wanted to, to build a league. Yeah, um, it's kind of interesting you bring that up, Ben, because we chatted about this on another episode of, of the show where we talked about kind of what does volleyball need in terms of uh, marketing and perspective to help grow the game. It's kind of interesting you bring up the storytelling. I don't think it's something we really talked about hugely. And I guess I'm curious from your guys' perspective, like, you know, and we had our own opinions about it, whether they were crazy like mine or a little bit more reasonable like some of the others, um, discussing, like, what volleyball needs. So I, I guess I, I'm curious because we're on it, like, are you, are you thinking that that's something huge that could really help volleyball, bringing in a storytelling, like a week-after-week type episodic nature of the sport where you can kind of get invested in the story? Or do you think it needs more character or, you know, more the better product, better players? Like, what do you think is um, going to help your guys' league, the business, kind of grow from that perspective? So I, I do think storytelling, like all of that, will help the sport. But I think something else that, hasn't, that I haven't heard be touched on yet is um, statistics. Is numbers. Um, there's not enough numbers. Like you see all those other pro sports and NBA. I mean, NFL. Math is scary. Yeah, and all of, all of those things. There's so many statistics, which 
also leads to fantasy sports, which I think is a huge uh, way to market market sports. And NFL wouldn't be as big as it is without fantasy football being so huge. Um, like statistics and fantasy sports, I think are such a huge compliment to, to any sport. Uh, and yeah, volleyball doesn't have enough stats that are public. Like it's so hard to find on the FIVB, like a game happens, how many, how many blocks did a guy get? Like you see Phil go play and dominate a game and, and it's like, wow, he got so many blocks. You want to see how many blocks he, he got. And without going back and actually rewatching the tape and counting yourself, um, there's no way to find it unless you have volumetrics, which is kind of a secret thing for the <laughs> for the the players who or the the programs that uh, can afford to get volumetrics. But it's it's not a very statistical sport, and there's no like stats are the easiest way to highlight players. I think is like how how good is this player? How many blocks can they get a game? How many? Digs do they get again? How like, hey, kills? this was our leading scorer. This was our leading blocker. Yeah. Like, this is our leading exactly. digger, all that. The easiest way to highlight star players is through numbers and stats, but it's done so poorly in our sport. I That's think he's true. absolutely right. I had, had no interest at all in NFL football. And but you I play fantasy? A, I joined a fantasy league about three or four years ago, and I, ever since I've been learning more and more and getting more and more excited about specific players. Like, I love Patrick Mahomes now, and I never even heard his name before, so... Oh, he's pretty new, but well. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, we're doing it. Okay. NBBL. NVBL. National Beach Volleyball League. NBBL. It's all right. You can call the show Cut Sharp or something. Just it's it's fine. <laughs> um, Josh, it sounds like we gotta start and involved in a fantasy league for your league, Ben. Like, are you kidding me? Let's do it. That's the next step for me. I'm picking I, you I first pick... overall, by the way, and I'm trading my second pick for my six, and I I, I need to get that. <laughs> yeah, well. So, so you guys I, I keep those stats, like, for your league, like, right? I'm assuming. You must. Yeah, we do. I mean, we keep blocking, digging, uh, attacking, uh, serving. We t keep those stats, and we haven't turned it into a fantasy league yet, but I have, have sort of prototypes uh, – and, and an idea of how a fantasy league would start. But yeah, we need to do, we need to get the, st the statistics in a, a database that's easier to, to manipulate that I don't have that. Uh, any, Volleyball any other... adds, adds an extra layer to this, Garrett. I would let you take Ben first overall because I imagine in his league, nobody's going to serve him a ball. He's going to get zero kills because he's going to have zero attempts. There's yeah, but an added ben, layer to this. He's going to rip like 12 aces a game at least. <laughs> gonna get like 12 blocks like he's gonna win every game 21 6 because i mean it's big ben are you kidding me what are you talking about so if aces and blocks are weighed see i need to understand the league before we go into the draft because there's a lot of this like if yeah, you i don't need to understand ace, like, ben, and that's there, it. there is an element so fantasy volleyball there would be a strange element there because yes the usually the better player on the team doesn't get served and so they're they get fewer kills they get fewer stats so actually usually the second player on the team will be the higher stack getter, which makes which makes fantasy beach volleyball extremely interesting because who do you who do you draft first? You want the best player who gets to serve the most. So it's like how how do you pick that? That's why I'm picking you. Yeah, because I need some interns. I feel like the, the fantasy league. <laughs> I'll win. I'll win for my owners. So yeah. my my teams will win a lot, but my fantasy owners might not. 
<laughs> we need some interns because fantasy football to me is fun when I can be angry on my coach on Sunday and getting live updates about how my team's doing. I don't want to wait till the next day to know who did well in the Vancouver league. So if anyone's listening, he needs like an internship. We got the job for you. You can be doing live stats for the league. Yeah. I, I don't know if it sounds like a really glamorous position, but, uh, they can come on the show too. We'll throw that in there. Josh beat me in the, uh, in the finals of our fantasy, the the Volleyball Canada Fantasy Football League, Josh beat me in the finals. So it's uh, <laughs> he wasn't angry this year on the couch playing fantasy. I was in the finals. <laughs> That's true. See, but Josh is a numbers guy. Like, you know your stuff, Josh. You're the numbers dude. And I'd just be picking on feeling. I'm like, ah, I think this person's good. But you'd have all the <laughs> analytics and you'd kick my ass. Guys as well. So we relate to that. That's, that's yes. partly why the statistics stuff is it calls to us. exciting. Yeah. yeah, well, all you guys nerds would be kicking my ass in fantasy, so maybe I shouldn't join. What the heck? Oh. <laughs> I say as I'm a game developer, like programmer, like, yeah, I'm the big nerd here. Gosh. <laughs> well, oh. I mean, that sounds like a really cool idea, and you can count us in. I, I mean, any listeners out there, if you're if you want, comment down below. Uh, or, well, not if you're listening on the podcast, but let us know. We want to hear that. That would be a ton of fun to do and get a bunch of people involved in. So you planted the seed here successfully. Last year, last year there was a finals, and Vancouver, the top groups from Vancouver came and played the top teams in Calgary. So maybe at least if you wanted to do something about that, that that's going to be sort of the highlight if we can do that again. So. But I, I actually did hear the KBVA, so the Kids Beach Volleyball Association, they're starting up an FIVB Fantasy League. So if anyone's oh. inter- interested in that, go check out the KBVA's uh, Facebook page because they're. I don't think I'm allowed to play because I'm technically one of the players, but <laughs> that they can pick, that they can choose from. So, uh, but uh, didn't know that. But yeah, if you're interested playing some fantasy FIVB this year. Well, I mean, uh, the guys on Western back when I played indoors, they used to do a CIS fantasy league and they kind of had it fully set up for the university players and they had a point system or whatever. It was pretty sophisticated. I don't know if they still do it anymore, but you could definitely draft yourself. And there was always a bit of a, like, cause they had the draft and I never played, but I was like, okay, who got me? And when did I get picked? You group uh, like, and I never got picked that high. And I was like, boys, what are you doing? Like, I'm a, and I always told my setter, Sean, I was like, Sean, like you, you better pick me early and then just dish me the butter all year. Like it's a perfect recipe for success. So I don't see why you couldn't play Ben and just be like, Hey Grant, I'm going on two. I need a few more fantasy points. <laughs> well, how your CIS career went. I think, I think your setter did pick you on his team because uh, he did set you pretty much every ball. So <laughs> yeah well and then there was one year where he didn't have me and he still set me a ton and he's like ah oh, i'm just giving this guy points every time <laughs> i can see how there's a conflict of interest so opportunities to point shave here but we'll, we'll figure that out i think it's a growing thing friend of the show jeff miller started an amazing golf brand called club jason designed with quality in mind jason sets no limits on comfort feel and appeal They are devoted to growing the game of golf and creating opportunities for those who could benefit greatly from a little extra support. 10% of all sales will go to a Club Jason scholarship for a female golfer. An additional 10% of all sales will go towards junior golf programs in Ontario. Club Jason wanted to pass on some savings to you, official friend of the show. Use promo code DIMES, that's D-I-M-E-S, at checkout 
to receive 15% off your order. Jason also offers free shipping in North America on any order over $99. Visit clubjason.com, that's C-L-U-B-J-S-O-N.com to check out their amazing clothing and to learn more. Jason, join the club. All right, Josh, okay, what we got next, should, man? Should, seems like, seems like we're sold. Like, you sold us yeah, successfully. This... We got the business guys giving us the full yarn, and we are hook, line, and sinker. So let's move on yeah. before we change our minds. This is what Jake would, Neil would refer to. Uh, instead of calling it sharp cuts, this is a pillow fight right now. This is too soft. We're all agreeing. It's just too much. Like, yeah, exactly. Bit of a pushover, but... Uh, <laughs> oh shut up josh what do you even know uh, okay sorry maybe there, there we went short okay again. yeah all right <laughs> the other thing i had on my list again based on the panel we have today with with garrett included in this but the saxon family especially is just the ability to make your own environment high performance like to find solutions so full disclosure i'm i'm a national team staff member and and ben saxton you know refuses to be in our daily training environment doesn't want to be coached by me so he's moving all over the country I mean, I wouldn't either, away from us honest, so that's okay. well you know you gotta give me a chance here but anyways he he decides that he's going to train in vancouver last year with grant now this year you've got like camps in brazil and you're still doing some other training so we'll, we'll start with ben on this one but just the the opportunities you've had to really take control and ownership over your career and say you know that centralized training that's really not for me but i'm going to do it my way and it's still going to be high performance so how about you take us through that process of how you own your development instead of just trying to like rely and say, oh, it's coach's job to make me better. I'm going to get better on my own. Well, in, in your defense, I, I made that decision to take my training environment in my own hands well before you were a part of the <laughs> mm, It's okay to say, Ben, that it was exclusively because of Josh. I think we're okay to throw I, that out there. I heard that Josh would be joining the program in a few years, so I, uh, I made sure to get my <laughs> Smart move. <laughs> Um, no, I mean, I am very fortunate. Um, I, I want to start by saying that, that uh, I have the um, support that I do, that uh, I have the parents that I have. Um, they have backed me financially. Uh, they did back me financially when I was getting started and then uh, have, have constantly provided support throughout my entire playing career. And I know that a lot of players don't have that, and so they don't have the opportunities that I had. Um, and one of the biggest opportunities being that uh, they had a property in California that uh, I could just go and live at when, when I needed to in Huntington Beach, and it was like a mile off the beach. So it's, uh, it was very easy for me to decide I want to move to California and train against those Californian guys because I had that um, that support and that uh, just that ease of going there that I know isn't easy for a lot of players to do. Um, and so that was sort of the what what started it was yeah. There's American teams are some of the best teams in the world, and at the time Canadian teams. They're competitive, but they're not. I won't take it personally, Ben. It's okay. You can swing away. I mean, Canadian teams are good, but they're not at the same caliber as the guys that were in uh, were in California. And so it's like, well, am I going to get a better training environment there with those guys, or here in this mandatory system that uh, that the guys just aren't good enough? Um, and so I, I would argue that Ben did go to a centralized system. That's all the, the American athletes basically go to two or three beaches. So he did go to a, a centralized training place, 
but it's not the Canadian one. It wasn't the accepted Canadian way. Yeah, and and I also yeah, being from the the West as well in in Alberta is uh, it was probably more expensive for me to go be training in the Toronto center than it was to go in the California center where we had a, a house um, that I had to pay like minimal rent for um, compared to being in Toronto where it's not cheap. Um, and so fortunately I also teamed up with came when we decided to go make this move. Um, came is also an Alberta boy. So is similar, similar for him. It's like, I'd rather go to California than, than keep paying rent in Toronto. So it's, it's uh, yeah, it was a no-brainer for the two of us yeah. to, to go do that together. So it sounds like it was kind of a good timing, good match, good mix. It made a lot of sense for you guys to do that. But also, like, it's nice of you to thank kind of your parents and stuff. That's maybe the most thanks we'll hear to any parents on this show, maybe ever and maybe ever again. So super nice moment. We're not used to that here. Um, but I'm curious, too, because it was always a struggle for me as a player because you know, you, you run in your own practices, say, even when we were in Toronto, like, you know, there are guys here, like back when you were doing that, Ben, I'm here in Toronto trying to train and we get, we get decent teams to train with, but it's always a challenge to try to get the group that's going to really bring high intensity. You know, you got to get a, you don't need to, but are you going to get a coach in there to really push you and kick your ass? Are you going to get another team who you build a relationship with where you have a good training relationship where you're really going to challenge each other and you don't get guys across and that just going oh, i just want to work on light setting today when the other team's like oh no like come on are we gonna are we gonna work hard or what like i'm curious how you you guys were able to because you had success right you're olympian you guys went there you had a lot of great results on tour so you must have in some ways found a way to make an environment for yourselves that you got what you needed i'm curious because i was never able to do that how were some of the things that you you guys found to help make that happen well, I mean, it is kind of motivating as well to be kind of a little more autonomous, to have things in, in your control, um, because you don't have stuff that's being handed to you. Um, not saying that that is still happening, but at the time it's it's um, like thing they're telling you, oh, this is best for you, this is best for you, this is best for you. But as an athlete, it's like, I mean, is it? You question, you question everything. You if if you want to be the best athlete, you have to question everything that comes your way to, to sort of determine what is actually best for you. Um, and so that's sort of when you go, when I, when I left, um, it's sort of part of it is figuring out what is the best thing for us. And, and at first we weren't that successful, uh, for the first half a season or so, like we, we didn't qualify for the first three or four tournaments. So we were, but we went, we went to California and we, we committed to it. Um, and we committed to figuring out what was best for us. Uh, and so that's, that's self-motivation, self-motivation is sort of huge because it's like, well, if I do this wrong, then I'm going to crash and burn. Cause I have not, nothing, I don't have volleyball Canada's support behind me. Like if, if I do it the best way though, like if I do it, what I think is best and it, and it works out, then it's going to be extra rewarding because I did this. Right. Right. Yeah. Like and you so, put your own skin in the game. Like you go out on a limb yourself and like, hey, if you fail, it's on me. So it's like, oh, I, I better, I better make this the best I can, right? Yeah. And so we went out there and we trained with uh, Casey Patterson and Jake Gibb like four days a week, basically, and then another team one one or two days a week. So it was yeah, like that was our that was our core group was us and Gibb and Patterson really. Um, and yeah, we trained with that, Phil and Phil and Rosie 
like once a week uh, and then other other teams sometimes. But yeah, it was Casey and Jake. We train with them all the time. And sort of our our moment that that shifted it for us, I think, was um, so we like I said, we missed qualifying for our first few three or four tournaments. But uh, in one of those or in the last two of those. So in, in all our practices with Jake and Casey, we go to three like every single time we played. Every single time is so close. Every every match, every practice. And then, so we don't qualify for two two tournaments in a row that Jake and, Jake and Casey, they, went, they won one in uh, Piranha, Piranha? No, in Argentina somewhere. And then uh, they get second in the next one in Poland, I think. And we didn't qualify for both of those. And, then, and then we played... Uh, Actually, I remember going down to California in between after those two and talking to, to Gib because, again, I, I got to know him as being around sometimes when you guys are practicing together all the time. And I talked to Gib and I said something about, boy, you guys are doing great. What are our guys doing wrong? And he said nothing. He said they're going to be there. He said they're, they're just as good as any of these teams and they're going to be there. And so then Don yeah. Saxon walks down the beach to where Ben and Kim are practicing and just gives them a massive tongue lashing. Get your no, shit together, no. boys. And then it happened. No, I was. I just said, okay, patience, right? No, so, but yeah. then, then we played a tournament. It was the World Cup. I don't know what it was. It's it's only happened one time after the 2012 Olympics, and so in 2013, it was a one one time tournament that Kame and I had qualified for. Um, and we played Jake and Casey there. Ah. And and so and we beat them two straight, like 15 and 16. Like we crushed them. It was easy. <laughs> <laughs> but then they went on and got second in the tournament, and we didn't make it out of the pool. And it's like, <laughs> what is this? How does this keep happening? Oh shit! <laughs> but then the next, the next uh, tournament I think was World Championships, and we got fifth. Um, we so, and that was our sort of breakthrough tournament. Was like we beat Samoylov Smedens, we beat Kantor Loziak. I mean, they were still fresh. They were still like 18 years old at the time, but like we beat some really solid teams to get fifth place uh at world championships and like we're not we're like we beat all of the u.s teams and all the brazilian teams except for emmanuel and alison um and i mean at the time u.s and brazilian teams are so, so dominant that it's like well if you beat all the americans and brazilians you did a good job yeah um now nowadays there's a lot more even there's a lot more europeans and, and stuff in the in the top mix but wrong. No, that was in Stardew Blanky. Oh, that's right. So, so that I'm curious cool. because, you know, with all the – it sounds like you guys had your kind of breakthrough moment and, and Don, you were kind of present in that training environment. I, I'm kind of curious because, I mean, you guys are a volleyball family. I mean, your sister, Camille, played as well on, on the tour for a bit and has had results herself. And Don, you're an Olympian. Like, you, you guys are the definition of a volleyball family. I also come from maybe not as a successful as players volleyball family, but – I'm kind of interested to hear about like, because so when you go down there, Ben and Don, you're saying, Hey, you're staying in our place. Like we're helping you out. We're giving you all the support. And what are you not even qualifying for these tournaments? At any <laughs> point, does it come in that you're thinking like, Hey, like I've got to step in here. Like I've got to, like, I'm a volleyball guy. I know what I'm doing. Like I'm going to make something happen here with my son. Or are you staying fully hands off? I actually think that I'm a little more positive than your dad by the sounds of things. Well, a little, <laughs> A lot, probably. <laughs> I 
I realized that in the, in the West, especially, we're at a big disadvantage in terms of beach volleyball, especially. There's nobody else to play against growing up. There's no, you know, there's not the whole situation. Um, so I, I was very positive right from the start. I think, you know, when Ben was 15, 14, when Ben was 14, he didn't make the U16 provincial team. And so I sat him Indoor, down. Indoors. Indoors, yeah. So I sat him down and I said, so what do you want to do this summer to try and catch up? Because obviously, you know, you're not as good as you think you are. And he said, well, you know, could we, I want to play a lot of beach. Okay, hold on. I got to <laughs> stop you. That's hilarious because the exact same thing happened to me. Yeah. When I was 14, I tried out for the 16U provincial team, didn't make it, but the conversation was very different. So you got oh. Don Saxon talking to Ben saying, hey, you're clearly not good enough to be on this team. What do you want to do to get better? And Ben goes, okay, I'm going to do this. We were saying, my dad was going, Garrett, you clearly deserve to make that team. Forget these guys. They're a bunch of idiots. Go play beach. I mean, the result was the same, but the talk was very different. <laughs> my dad has always taught me to be very realistic about my own level comparative to, to other players and all that stuff. So he's, he's not afraid to tell me, yeah, you're not as good as this person. How do you get as good as this person? Okay, I'm going to figure that out. You know, yeah, I mean, this is, this is something I've always gone overboard on as as his coach, as any of my kids' coaches. Basically, you know, they're the best 14-year-olds in the province, but so what? Or you're the, you know, you're the so, best 16-year-old in the province, so what? So really, how, you're so just getting started. If you want to play at the level that I played at, then you you got a whole long ways to go and a whole lot of work to do. So that and certainly so, fosters I'm a high level of humility, right? Because you know, you're you're not. You're not thinking you're all that great because there's always another mountain to climb. But I'm curious, how does that foster that killer? At some point, you got to be the cocky prick out there going out there. I'm the big shooter. I'm going to make a block. I'm going to get the ace because, Ben, I've seen you do that. You've done it against me. So I'm curious, where does that come from if you're being told by your dad, hey, like you're not, you're not as good as these guys. You're not as good as these guys. You're not as good as these guys the whole way, you know? Um, I mean, it's just sort of – yeah, that, that whole competitive nature. competitive nature, like that self um, self taught, like this is what this is what I can do. Is I want to prove to you that I'm better than you. I want to I want to. This is the person who's a little bit better than me. I want to prove that I can be better than them. So it's it's kind of just a, a self motivation always. That it's, that's just like okay, this is the next the next rung on the ladder. This is the next guy I need to show that I'm better than them. And then also people who are behind me on the ladder, making sure that they, they see that I'm going to stay better than them as well. So like playing against guys like you, who, who's that young guy coming up, it's like I got to make sure every time I play Garrett that I shut him down so that he, he doesn't think that he has a chance of passing me, right? I mean, or serve my partner, which, but I mean, okay, a little bit sensitive here on the show. I mean, it's fine. But uh, so I guess it's then just your, your competitive drive to prove that you're better than everybody. You've been practicing that Sounds like since you were 14 and you didn't make that team. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's not it's not about me having to think. Oh, I I don't have to think that I'm better than that guy to be better than that guy. It's I need to work to be better than that guy in order to be better than that guy. So it's like, what can I do to be better than that guy rather than being told you're the best? 
go prove it. It's okay. How do I be the best? See, Josh, I'm learning that? how the Saxtons command a high level of respect among the volleyball community here in Canada, and the Mays have a little bit of a different love-hate relationship. So we're learning a lot on this show. We're getting growth. It's happening. I appreciate it, you guys. It's, I, it's I not, it's not right or wrong. It's just different. There's no right or wrong. Better way to say it. It's I'd rather be able to talk about what I have done than to talk about what I will do. So I, I want to do these things first and then talk about it, talk about how good I am, rather than um, talk about how good I am first and then maybe not do it, right? And where did you get that, Don? I mean, it sounds like like because you're do you have your parent coaching you, or I mean, you're dealing with this stuff as a young player as well, making the Olympic team and all that. Yeah, I've been coaching players for a long time now, like since my since my Olympic career, basically. So um, every every kid is different. Ben's attitude was that he he was pretty confident. He was always pretty confident inside. Not uh, not somebody that I needed to build up. There's lots of players that I also coach that I sort of. You know, you have to give them compliments regularly because otherwise, my, my daughter, Kemi, is every bit as good as he as I feel as a beach volleyball player, but she's the other way around, that you've got to sort of keep giving her positive stuff. Yeah, oh, yeah, you're coming, this is getting better, this is getting better. Whereas Ben, it was, I think it was a little bit more the other way around that he, okay, he's getting a little bit overboard now. He's, oh, so Ben's actually internally the full of himself guy. So he, he doesn't say it, but but I know it. Like, we, we talk, so. Yeah. Oh, now I'm going to be looking for that. Yeah. But I don't know. Like I say, every every kid is different, and I have learned as a coach to to handle different kids different ways. But it's but also when you when you play people and you you beat them and don't talk about it afterwards, then it it hurts them worse <laughs> than if you if if you beat someone and and talk about it forever. It's like, well, I beat that or that guy beat me, and he doesn't even care. So it's it's like I'm nothing to them, right? So that's that's part of it. You don't show people that you're. I mean, I appreciate you say that because every time you beat me and didn't talk about it, I was thankful. I was like, gosh, don't tell anybody that I lost to Ben Saxon again. Thank you. Ignore me, please. <laughs> anyway, when he was 14, that's when we decided and I took him to California. I, I sent him to California with Mark, guy, a great guy named Mark Ellingson, another beach guy. And uh, he basically took five of these guys down to California for a month. Killed them. I got there three weeks later, and they were barely walking. Like they were, they were going twice a day and walking a mile back and forth to the beach every day. And and I, most of the most of the other guys were just ready to go home. And Ben was, Dad, I'm going to play this. This is going to be my sport. Like he made the decision when he was 14 that he was going to be a beach player. So that's that's it went from there. It was his it was his motivation more than mine. Yeah, again, another stark contrast in style between the volleyball families. Ben making, you know, making the decision himself that this is the sport he's going to play, whereas me from an early age getting told, do you want to be the best in the world? <laughs> <laughs> well, you were for a bit. And me going, yes, yes, I do, please. <laughs> I mean, but both both parenting styles, they work. Like there's a world championship there and there's an Olympian here. So like mm. it's there's success on both sides, right? It's It's absolutely true. It's, it's also part of my belief there's not one right way to do anything. Like and For every different person, there's a different way that you can possibly, like that you can figure something out. So I do want to dive into the training environment because I think Garrett brings up some good points. And Garrett's mentioned on our podcast before that he really enjoyed playing with Grant because Grant switched it on and he was going to bring intensity to practice. And Ben, I think he laid fire 
just because you're quiet doesn't mean you're not intense, right? So you've had that training environment where you're in California and you're playing against the Americans, so you felt at that time were the best. But more recent in Vancouver playing against part-time players, right? So how are you able to still bring like that intensity and your world-class standards to guys who have a day job and essentially are doing you favors by being your training partners, right? Because they're not professional beach volleyball players, right? Um, I mean, yeah, you can always challenge yourself at practice. I, there's, there's, it doesn't matter who you're playing. Like, if I need to, I'm going to handicap myself or get my coach to handicap me um, as much as needs to be that I lose most of the time. Um, because if I'm, if I'm getting challenged like that, then I'm figuring out a way to win when I'm severely disadvantaged. And then when it becomes an even, even playing field, then it becomes, um, then it's just sort of natural that, uh, okay, well now it's even, this is easy. I can, I can play a regular volleyball match against guys that are the same level as me. If you're in a practice environment, that's a co being run by a coach who's not your own or, you know, say somebody else, or maybe there's no coach. And you're you're saying, hey, I'm at, we're actually going to handicap us in this practice because we're kicking your ass too bad. Like, is that something you genuinely do in a practice environment? Well, so the thing about being in Vancouver or Calgary and and training against um, the guys who sort of expect you to be better than them, they actually don't mind. They're there for us. They're they know that they're at our practice, and so they know that if there's going to be handicaps, it's going to be against us and. Yeah, there's a little bit of uh, there's a little bit of they don't want to be they don't want to be given um, these gifts, but uh, I mean that's also motivation for them to be better so that they don't have to be handicapped so so much. Right. And I guess if you're playing a good team, then you don't feel the need to because it's competitive. Right. So if if we're at another team's practice, um, then usually their coach is gonna not put too many disadvantages because the teams are at the at the same level like there's not too many teams i don't think there's any teams that we would practice against where the other team would get the handicap against us unless it's something that like a 15 10 game or something where you're going to switch after one set is over so that uh, both teams get the same disadvantage at least an even number of times right right but yeah so when you do play against the 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 high-end rec players, like the the KBVA, they're they're solid players, but not quite at the, the international level. They understand that they're at our practice, and so they're they're there to to learn from us, and not it doesn't really hurt them to be handicapped. Well, that's a pretty nice relationship to have with a group of training guys. I mean, not a luxury that a lot of people have or a lot of people could handle. I mean, if it were me, I'd be pissed. I'd be like, don't be handicapping these guys. Like, I gotta beat them legitimately. And I mean, that's why I always loved and hated training against Grant. He's one of the most annoying people to play against on the planet. And I mean, I tell that to, I say that to his face all the time. We played club together. He and I were on the same freaking club team. Um, and, but I love training against him because he, I never found a situation where if one of us was kicking the other's ass, which had happened regularly when he was playing with Sam Pedlow, they were together, me and Dan, we'd go head to head and it was, you know, vice versa. They kick our ass, we kick their ass type stuff when somebody has a bad day. But with him, it never seemed like, you know, it was never okay. There was always some learning. There was always something that was happening when that was happening. If they were getting their ass kicked, they were pissed. It was not, he was not cool. He was vocal. And if they were kicking our ass, he was talking through the net like, hey, pick it up. Like, what are you guys doing? Like, we're wasting our time here, which was annoying at the time, but also like helps elevate the level, I feel like, um, of the practice. So I always loved 
that about Grant. I guess he's not doing that with some of the guys from the KBBA, though, if they're just kind of your training guys, but maybe with some of the other guys you train with. Um, I don't know. I think maybe my laid back style of play has dulled him a little bit, but uh, unfortunately, because he that's that's his I don't want to take away his style of play. I think him and Sam Pedlo sort of you figure out the way that works best with your partner, right? So him and me, it's a little bit less of that where him and Pedlo were both that type of player. So it, it kind of, it fits oh, so you're but, saying you make Grant less annoying. Uh, I mean, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don's like, yes. Don, were you worried when Ben was like, Hey, I'm playing with this kid, Grant. Are you thinking like, ah, this is the most annoying kid on the beach. Like, I, I didn't about? know that about him so much. Right. I didn't, I didn't know Grant all that well. So I, I actually like Grant. I think he's a great guy, but, but on the court, I wish he was a little more, Feisty, feisty than he like he used to be, and I wish Ben was more feisty like he used to be too. I think they're, I think he's getting old. I mean, you don't look at Ben, but that just is a senior discount this year. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, talking about getting old, We're talking about handicapping. So so today is a perfect example. We practiced this morning. And in Alberta, we're not allowed to practice with adults. We're, they're not allowed to be more than one adult on in the court at a time with a coach. So we, we had an, an 18 year boy and and uh, and my daughter because she's she's also allowed in the same household. But but basically, I'm blocking against Ben and I'm using a, a basketball backboard as the blocker. So this is a, a bit of a disadvantage for him. But he's learned how to score against a huge block, like bigger block than he's ever going to see. And well, look at you guys abusing the regulations and finding a way to make it happen. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, mad respect. So, like, you're in the training environment. I would be able to put up a solid block, but uh, he's not quite <laughs> there not anymore. Way, yeah. He's not quite in his prime anymore. Yeah. Okay, so who do you think would win? Me and Don versus Ben and John May. Oh, there's no question. I won't well, it, 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 it depends <laughs> on what age. If you're talking about a now. No, I'm talking age, tomorrow. Right now? Right oh, now. God. Dad's got a hurt back. So I've probably, got a herniated disc. So you're, so. Well, my dad has no shoulder. <laughs> we got we got one player in his prime right now out of those four players. So I, hey, I that's think. Me. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, did you? Well, I I feel good about mine and John's odds. <laughs> I don't know. There's the the psych factor though too. I think it'd be tough for Ben. I think it'd be tough for John too. So. I agree. <laughs> like the chirps that'd be coming across the net would just be fiery. <laughs> You guys would win the banter. Uh, I don't know. John John would probably banter for the two of us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Don, at this you're in practice with Ben today, you're saying. Is it ever come yeah. to a point where you just pull a dad moment and you're like, Ben, we need to get your shit together? And Ben, you're thinking like, I'm an adult. I'm on the world tour, Dad. Like, what the heck? Uh, I, I mean, honestly, no. We had a practice about two months ago when Ben was – I, I wouldn't say awful, but we were trying to do something new, and he was awful. I won't. I don't want to say that, but he really couldn't it's do sharp, it. Sharp it sucks, man. Yeah, <laughs> sharp cuts or, or cut cutties over or whatever. And this was again with the basketball backboard to block him, and uh, and he was pretty bad. And it's the first time that I've seen him sort of ready to quit himself. Like he's usually okay. I'm just going to try. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to figure it out. And he had a heck of a time. But, and then the next practice, all of a sudden, he, he could do it. That's, I, and I found this with both him and Kemi is basically you just have to tell him, look, you can do this. You have to figure out how to do this. 
And they'll say, no, no, that, that's impossible. I can't do that. I have and, a and then two or three practices later, it's going to work. So I remember that practice a little differently. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, I was struggling a lot. And then I remember, like, my mom was sitting there watching the practice, and Camille was beside me setting, and, and they both start, like, I'm making error after error, and they're, they both start just sort of cheering for me. And it, I... I actually hate that when I'm when I'm struggling and people are cheering extra hard for me just to. That's the Saxton chirp. Is actually cheering for you. The Saxton chirp <laughs> is to cheer for me. It's like okay, so they're cheering for me because I'm doing badly. So to me, it's like frick. They're seeing me do badly. I don't like people to see me play badly. So it, it's uh, so to me, they're like they start cheering and I'm like I don't need cheering. I just need to do it right. So I I wanted to just keep doing it over and over and over until I got it right, basically. And then, yeah, I eventually figured it out. It we took, might have still took, been there. It took a day, but. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's just good, wholesome family fun right there. <laughs> and I cannot relate. I mean, good for you guys. It's super exciting. Um, wow. That is different than my experience. So good for you guys, man. <laughs> Getting pissed at cheering. I mean, yeah. I mean, can you? I would be so hype if my mom and my brother is sitting there. Can you imagine Reed, my brother, cheering for me in a practice? No, he'd be like, Garrett, you suck. Get out of the way. I'm coming in there. I'm going to do it better. <laughs> my mom, too. <laughs> I won't let them stop until I do it right. I won't let the drill end until I get it right, basically. So, it's, so you guys it's, were there for several my, hours. My motivation is I will continue to do something until I figure it out. Um but then, yeah, if they're cheering for me, then I, it shows me that, oh, they see me struggling. I need to extra do it right now. <laughs> but this is right from U14, U15, U16. Like, basically, I, I sort of lead them. Okay, the, if you're that good, you should be able to do this. And and with Camille, it's, she, she, I'll tell her, oh, so you should move up a little bit, or you should do this or that. And she'll totally overdo it. Like, she, I tell her to move to the sideline, and she's standing right on the sideline. Like, she's not just taking a quarter of a step. She's taking. Hey, you a told me to stand on the right. sideline. I'm just doing what you said. I mean, yeah, exactly. You, you would probably be like her. You're going to just, <laughs> no, impossible. But, but then, you know, a few, a few days later, she's doing it right, and she's, she's taking something out of it, which is ben, is, ben is way more measured. When I tell him, look, you might try this. And he usually tries it, and half the time I'm I'm sure I'm totally wrong, and he knows it in his brain. I'll I'll try it. I'll make I'll I'll give it a try, but then I'm just going to do whatever I want to do. And, well, and with Ben, I I trust him because he you know he does know more about beach volleyball than I do. But uh, with, with he, he still he, he at least pretends to listen, which is nice for me. Well, you guys was, got Olympic pedigree, and <laughs> I mean we had Sam Schachter on the show, and I asked him this question. And I'll ask you, Ben. I mean, Olympics happen. You guys are trying to qualify. What can we expect from you and Grant? You guys are obviously shooting to, to qualify, to get some hardware. What are the expectations? Are you going to make any bold predictions here on the show? I mean, we're going to put forth our, forth our best effort. So we're going to play as well as we can play, as long as we can play for. So um, whether that uh, brings Olympics uh, or not, and whether that brings a medal or not, um, we're going to put forth the the highest effort that we can and we're going to train as hard as we can to get there so do you know uh, what it's going to take to make it happen like what do you guys need to do in the next few months to get it to get it going numbers wise it's going to take like two or three podiums in the next five tournaments or uh the continental, or the continental pathway basically so all right saxton well you better get back to training you got to make two or three podiums so we can get two canadian teams in the olympics 
And we need to see that. We're going to be in that FIVB pool, Olympic pool. And I'm picking Ben Saxon first overall for that one. Um, So wishing you guys the best of luck. Uh, Josh, i got to be honest. This is maybe the first episode in seven that I don't want to stop hanging out with these guys. I mean, I've been done with the other guys. And, I mean, first time, I don't really want to go. But we're kind of out of time. So... Maybe you're gonna... And I think when you're dealing with top-tier guests, you got to stick to your commitments. When we tell them it's an hour, we can't just keep them here all day, I don't think. But uh, I mean, I'd I like know. to, but we got to be a little bit respectful. <laughs> the first time that the two of us have talked about volleyball all day. So. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> I'm happy to come back at some point. Well, I mean, you guys keep talking nicely about the show like you started off. I mean, gosh, we're going to have to throw out some more invites. Are you kidding me? Respect. It's awesome. Yeah. Keep, keep going, volleyball. Well, thank you guys for joining us, Josh. Uh, why don't you uh, Why don't you close us out, man? Well, first of all, I'd like to thank our guests. This was awesome. You know, Chapter's an Olympian, but he's not two Olympians, and he's not a volleyball family that can challenge the May family. So I definitely got a lot out of this episode. And if you're still listening, you're amazing. Thank you so much for joining the show. So you can always catch the show on Mondays on Garrett's YouTube channel over at Yes Guy Gaming, or maybe you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Spotify, Google Play, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can find that out. So. We're, we're thankful for any listeners we get, and we're more thankful for any guests that we get because really that's how the show works, Garrett, because I think individually we're pretty boring, but you put us together with some other volleyball people, good things start to happen. I totally agree. Thanks, everybody, for watching. And uh, any last-minute words, boys? Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. And that's it. <laughs>